Welcome to Take Care. This is the podcast that helps you understand the background and habits of change makers. Host Rish Sharma and his guests give you the wisdom to help you learn a little more and get a bit better every episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Take Care. Today's guests are Daniel Nelson and Libby Mockton of Fulton. Okay. Welcome, Daniel and Libby. Really excited to have you here and, and learn more about Fulton and your guys' journey. Well, yeah, thank you for having us. Excited to be here. So just would love to start the conversation. The audience kind of get excited about the brand and your backstory. If you could just delve into kind of story of you guys coming together as co-founders and then how you guys created the genesis of the brand. Yeah. So I guess for some context, Danielle and I, we just wrapped up our MBA at Wharton. We actually met before Wharton and sort of the idea was born even before that. I was working in marketing. I was sitting at a job, at a desk for my job for many hours of the day. And I started to experience back pain. Nothing like super severe. I was treating it with massages, foam rolling, like sometimes taking Advil, being very like reactive and treating <laughs> the symptoms and not the cause. And then eventually I went to a chiropractor and the chiropractor had suggested insoles. And I had never thought about insoles as a solution for my back pain because you don't really think about your back when you're, or your feet when you're treating your back. He explains posture starts from the ground up and your body is all connected. And your feet affect your knees, which affect your hips, which affects your back. And like that made sense, but the custom orthotics that he offered were hundreds of dollars. And that mm-hmm. was just way more than I was willing to spend. And I didn't really think that my achy back warranted like a $500 solution. It was just an achy back so Mm -hmm. instead I went to the drugstore and I found myself looking at all of these other brands of insoles that were super medical geriatric like uncool they were filled with covered in words like plantar fasciitis and bunions and I didn't feel like there was a a product there that was um, solving the problem that I had and also Mm -hmm. like related to me as a brand as a consumer a brand Mm -hmm. that related to me Um, and on top of that eventually like I learned that these products are made from gels and foams, which feel like squishy and comfortable, but are not actually that supportive. And instead, so as I found myself unable to find a product that was solving this problem that I had. And I asked some friends and no one really had a product that they could recommend to me. And then I actually, Danielle and I, we met at Wharton Welcome Weekend. So that was before we even got to Wharton. And we're just talking about different ideas and different opportunities. And I had mentioned this idea or like more of this like problem that I had. And Danielle, you connected to it in like a different way. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I didn't really have back pain. 
It was so interesting because I lived in New York. I was walking around. Everyone in New York walks everywhere. So it was just yep. my daily life was giving me recurring foot pain, which I thought was a me problem. I thought it was my shoes or my lifestyle, my walking, whatever. And when Libby mentioned this to me, it, it was such an interesting concept because my dad wears these custom orthotics that you know, he moved between his shoes and he hasn't changed in the last 30 years. And they're like this old ratty leather looking brand. And then my sister, she actually wore like a, a younger, relatively younger focused brand that was mostly targeting runners, but mm-hmm. you know, she's not a big runner. She's 24 and just, she has foot arthritis. So mm-hmm. it got me thinking, I was like, you know what? There's definitely something there with feet and with shoes and just this area that's underexplored and not very well understood by sort of yep. modern consumers as we call them. And that's why the problem space was so intriguing. Just meeting another young person who was living a life similar to me and just had these problems that were solved by insoles. I tried a pair, obviously, after I met her and I was like, wow, I, I couldn't believe that I had no more foot pain and that it was that simple. I was able to walk for longer and just feel better on a, on a day-to-day basis, way less fatigue. And yeah, that that's when I was hooked and Libby and I were just, we put our heads together. We talked to like we had dozens of conversations with chiropractors, podiatrists, biomechanics, researchers, engineers, footwear people, just trying to understand the space. And mm-hmm. you know, by the time we feel like we had a good grasp on it, we, we were ready to just dive in and uh, build Fulton. That's, that's a great story. I love uh, hearing um, people solving problems for themselves and bringing new products to the industry that consumers love. So yeah, just curious to see, how'd you guys decide I think a lot of people face this problem. You go and you meet somebody that you want to start a business. You both are loving the idea. How did you guys decide what each co-founder should be responsible for as you're building something where kind of everything is spread among the core team? Yeah, Um, a great question. (laughs) Uh, We just didn't know what we didn't know at first, I'd say. I'd love to hear your thought on this, Libby, but your background, Libby's background was much more marketing focused and mine was much more like tech and consulting and strategy focused. So I think at first we just had to put our heads together based on our experiences and we took every meeting together. We solved every problem together. But then there was a point where it made a little bit more sense to bifurcate our roles and have Libby focus a little bit more on marketing brand PR related things and me focus a bit more on partnerships, ops, strategy era things. Yeah. Libby, do you have anything else to add to that? I feel like that's just kind of the natural progression of of how our roles developed. Yeah. I think at first we were both doing everything. We, both of us were on every single call. We were learning as we go everything. And I think eventually we split up roles based on like interest experience. It's still challenging right now, I think, for us to not both be on every single call and to delegate more between each other. There's only so many hours in the day, so that's we're making it work. Yep, that's 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 the startup life. So, if you could, you know, give somebody advice right now, a lot of during the last twelve to eighteen months, there was a lot of people that have been either starting side hustles or thinking about the idea of starting their own business or e-commerce brand. What advice would you give them now as they're starting to think of that might be something they want to add as supplemental income or go fully on an idea that they have? What initial insights from thus far from founding the company to now that you feel like you can offer somebody that's right slightly behind you right now? 
I think maybe that there's no right way to do it. Like, I think we came to Wharton with knowing that there have been a lot of um, other startups and like direct to consumer startups that have come from Wharton. And we thought, you know, we'll just follow their playbook. We'll like develop a product the way that they did it, find a manufacturer the way that they did it. But I think every situation is going to be so unique and that that goes for everything for identifying your channel strategy for your fundraising strategy every everyone needs to do it differently so i think that take every piece of advice that you get with a grain of salt and ask talk to everyone that you can and get as as much advice as possible so you can be as well-rounded when you make your decisions but yeah i think knowing that there isn't a right way and like everything that you do should be unique to your product and your situation. I think yeah. that's, yeah, I think it's crucial advice. Anything you have to add, Daniel? Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. The, the only thing I'd piggyback is that the way to find that out, how you differentiate is by talking to people and just understanding what their problems are with the current state, um, especially in consumer. I feel like it's very easy to slap a brand, spin up a Shopify and just get a company going and say you have a company. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're solving a real problem. And I think your future prospects won't necessarily feel as inspiring or vision oriented. And there's a lot of work that Libby and I did in the early days of just understanding people's problems with, you know, their shoes. And 75% of American adults have foot pain. That's a huge number. It's 180 <laughs> million people. And we talked to a ton of them who are not being addressed by this market at all. And that's why it was so exciting to us because we feel like we found this problem space that we can really build a product out of. Libby and I aren't necessarily consumer everything <clears throat> types of people. Like our backgrounds are tech and marketing, as we mentioned before. And so it wasn't even necessarily top of mind that we would start this company, but we found a problem that was really compelling. And that's how we knew that uh, if we built the right product, that we would have a, a viable opportunity in the space. That's uh, that's crucial information to do your pre-work. So I know you guys have mentioned a couple of times, you know, meeting at Warden, analyzing the problem layers, Warden. So I just I think there might be some people in the audience that want to ask, how do you feel your MBA helped you in this early stage in your entrepreneurship in starting Fulton? I'd say the community was a big one to start. Like, like we mentioned before, when we got there, we just spent a ton of time having focus groups, interviews, running surveys, just really understanding from an eager group of our target demographic who was willing to help what their experience had been like. That was really cool. And we, we basically, throughout the last two years of the idea to the actual launch, we had them test our product and our branding and just every single question we had, we would run by our target demographic who were our friends in, in the MBA community. I'd say the academics were also very helpful. Like we learned a lot about marketing and operations and all these things that, you know, were the fundamental like foundations of our brand. And I'd say lastly, what I found I think most valuable was the alumni network. We had a lot of great conversations with alumni who were in our shoes before they were in business school and they went out in the world and started their own companies. And especially at a school like Wharton, where there are so many kind of consumer brands that generated their first ideas there, did exactly the same types of testing and research. They've been on this path before, and it's just so helpful to lay out a roadmap of where we are today and where we could be if we really have this idea that that works and set up the, the company to thrive. Thank you for sharing those insights. So just to get back to the company of Fulton, 
how did when you guys launched how did you guys go about your go-to-market strategy to get those first hundred clash hundred hundred customers a thousand true fans how did you guys go about getting those first orders yeah i think we were very thoughtful we've been very thoughtful about every dollar that we've spent and we didn't want to spend a lot of money up front on paid media so i think at first we were lucky that we did we got some like good strategic pr we were featured in thing testing which i think is just as an insanely engaged community of followers and that definitely helped us get some customers we also had done a pilot like about 6 months before we launched or maybe a little bit more where we sold many pairs of insoles and it was like under a different brand but it was very much just to get a lot of feedback and did a bunch of surveys and then to those customers we reached out to them and we sent them sort of a discount code and and they were all they tried the original product and then they really liked it so they were ready for their second pair and then yeah and then also just like leveraging our communities within Warden and within just people that we've ga- engaged with in the past that's that's great I think it's always good to to engage with the audience like you guys have mentioned uh multiple times I think yeah going back to the community and leveraging your community but also customers being as close to them is be- is beneficial Let's just talk about you know, the brand itself what are you looking for somebody when somebody thinks of Fulton what should they think of about in regards to the brand its values what type of experience it's looking to deliver to your customers. Yeah, I think so we really put a lot of thought and time into the brand. I think first just because it's such an unsexy category in part just because of the existing brands out there but then also just because feet are not super cool, insoles are not super cool, back pain isn't, foot pain isn't. So we really wanted to try and like destigmatize the category and make it more modern, fun and relatable. and that's very much what we focused on in terms of developing the brand. I think on top of that, we wanted it to feel like urban, like related to walking in a city, but then also with an edge of sustainability and and thinking about nature in certain ways like just based on also the materials that we're using are very important to us. So we wanted that to be part of our branding, but I would say a relatable a cool but relatable brand not too cool we're not we'll never be like supreme or anything like that but we mm-hmm. are just like a cool fun brand that encourages a dialogue and connects to its consumers anything anything to add daniel to that no i think that's right the big challenge we have that i think our brand is trying to tackle is education it's just the idea that footwear and wellness right now is very siloed but they shouldn't be and there are some brands that people are familiar with and they think they're comfortable but don't necessarily know that's because they're supported and so i'm talking about a company like Birkenstock or Crocs or Hoka and you know, they're very i don't want to say polarizing but they're very strong kind of they have their niche groups they're not necessarily like a Nike level mass market they have really strong core fans and the fans flock to them because they they provide wellness through footwear And I think what Fulton's brand is trying to do is just explaining why, explaining you can have this for all of your shoes, and 
it's modern, it's empowering, it's cool, it's a wellness product. And a lot of that comes through being genuine with consumers, giving them the resources to educate and share. And that's what we tried to do by, by building our brand and our, our experience. Thank you for the, the additional input. So would you say that your the biggest challenge thus far has been that educational component on like modernizing the category or would, would you say the biggest challenge thus far has been something else? That's a good question. I mean, depends on the phase of the company, I'd say. Like at first, that probably was it. That's why we did all that research. That's why we had all those conversations with both the consumers or the target consumers and the experts to try to marry the two, the, the science world with the actual consumer world. And so that was a lot of the, I guess, the first year of the company, which was building that brand, developing that sort of thesis behind what our company would be. But then the actual implementation is like the second year, right? It's developing the insult and shipping them here and things like that. which led to a whole other host of, of issues, especially during the pandemic where you know, the global supply chain definitely experienced a shock. So I'd say at first that was definitely more of an issue. Now it's, it's very, at least in my, my opinion, it's like a tactical operational types of issues that we're experiencing, which are definitely solvable in the long run, but entering the world now during COVID or entering the startup world now, uh, it's definitely been a shock in that sense to us, but we're trying to get a, a grip on it and be able to scale and support the needs of our customers. Thanks for sharing that. And what's next for, for Fulton? What do you guys hope to achieve over the next three to five years? Is it additional products that you're looking to expand into retail, just continue to scale the business for on your direct to consumer? What next should customers be? looking for? I think all of the above. In the short term, it's very much focused on scaling our current product and like testing new channels. Uh, Tomorrow or yeah, tomorrow actually we're opening up uh, our first retail store or not uh, a pop-up within a retail store uh, called Naked Retail, which is on Mulberry Street in New York City. So we're very excited about that to see how that goes. We're going to test a bunch of new marketing channels. I think we're very excited to test some offline and like out of home and see how that goes to really get people while they're walking. And then, yeah, and then we're also testing new channels in terms of, in terms of retail, in terms of employers, and then also like the medical channel, seeing how that goes. And then, yeah, and then I think continuing to expand with new products in the longer term. Sounds sounds like a, a bright future. So I mentioned, I'm just curious. You mentioned medical, the medical field. So now with recent, with the recent IPO of Figs that just went thing, I'm just curious, how you guys discovered on that niche of the medical field? Oh, sorry. To clarify, when I meant medical field, I meant more um, more partnerships with like podiatry, dietary offices or chiropractor offices, because they often will sell or recommend an, an over-the-counter insult to clients or patients who are not buying a custom one. Got it. But, but we, that is a good, that is a good point. We're definitely testing out with, with the medical field. I think that people who are on their feet for many hours of the day represent like a really engaged eager customers. So we've mm-hmm. seen 
We, we're looking at every single sale. We're looking at who that person is, where they're coming from and testing different um, segments on Facebook and seeing, yeah, definitely seeing some good traction in, in the medical field. So I guess two-pronged medical approach. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. So on the podcast, we love to not only just learn about the amazing businesses that the founders we interview are doing uh, and creating day to day, but we also want to get to know how they live and cope with the life of being an entrepreneur a little bit and how they center themselves in it. And so I just want to ask both you, both Daniel and yourself, Libby, that is there anything that you guys do specifically in your own personal lives as routines or morning routines to keep you motivated and keep on going on a day-to-day basis as you're trying to scale Fulton into I have a lot of things. My, I think my morning routine has become longer and longer over the pandemic. Yeah, I think a lot, I have a lot that I do every morning. I think I've been very into Pilates, which I think is just a great way to clear my mind. And then I, this last semester, took a meditation course through through Wharton, or not through Wharton, through Penn, actually, through Penn Medical. And that's been a great way to reset when I've continued that since the semester ended. Yeah, I think really making an effort to limit screen time for the for the first like hour. Daniel, I'm curious also what you what your go to. Yeah, it's interesting. Mine's obviously different. But for me, I feel like when I wake up, I am on my phone. And the reason for that is I'm working with people more so in Portugal and you know, shippers all around the world. So they're already well into the afternoon by the time I get up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm already so late to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so my morning routine honestly usually starts with ads, conversations with with our partners who are abroad. But then I, I make a, a pretty conscious effort to ease into the rest of the day. I do take my time in the morning. I always have the full breakfast of long shower, not too long, long enough where I get to just sort of take in the morning and get my head straight for the day ahead. I will say though, like Libby, I definitely do prioritize my wellness, like mental and physical. I think it's really important for us because we're always working on Fulton to just be able to carve out those moments where we can go for a run or play tennis or just like take a walk. I take a walk every day, at least 30 to 60 minutes, because not only is it very on brand, but I, I think it's just really good for me. Listen to a podcast like this one or, or just some music. And I think it's very important to clear your head and make sure you're very intentional about that headspace or else the company can control you. So I think as an entrepreneur, you have to find ways to control what you can and really keep, keep make sure you're sticking to that. Thank you for sharing, sharing that both of you. So I'd, I'd like to also ask on this journey, whether it could be on the journey or it could just be personally, what is the kindest thing that anybody's done for you up until this point in your career? It's a hard question. <laughs> Kindness is uh, interesting. I, I think the, the one thing that comes to my mind when you ask that is, is my brother, what he's currently doing with us. My brother, he's in college right now. He's in hospitality <laughs> school. And 
he basically, you know, he loves the brand. He loves what we're doing. He just loves supporting me. And, you know, he's very much taking an active and ownership type role in a lot of the marketing work. He makes a lot of the creatives that you see online, um, or Instagram. He's done a lot of thinking and like creating videos that we post and some of the stuff on the website. And he just does it all because he really honestly cares about me and like you know, the brand and just it's so nice because there's no expectation, but he's up late at night, emailing, giving new ideas, pushing his own partnerships on us and saying, Hey, this would be a great idea. I want to reach out to them. And it's just, it's so kind because it's so genuine from the heart and Libby and I are, are finding ways to compensate him, but it's just one of those things that definitely wasn't even asked or formally offered, but he's just, he keeps doubling down. I love that. Uh, love Dan and what he's been doing with us, but it's just, it's so kind and something I'm, I'm very grateful for in my life. Sounds, that sounds like a great person and a great supporter of you, of both of you. Anything, anybody else that you'd like to mention, Libby? I, I Ben was also the first person that popped to mind and I can't even like emphasize enough what a superstar he is and we're his biggest fans and so lucky. Ben got a shout out on here. Yeah. And then I'd just like to move on to, you guys have mentioned both in your routines, how putting controlling what you can control and easing into the day. So I just want to get a clearer definition from both of you. What does self-care mean to you as you are embarking on this journey as an entrepreneur? That's another good question. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I, I think like one, like mental health to me is like very important. And knowing that bringing as much as you can into your control and like prioritizing things that make you happy in the short and long term. I think that Danielle and I both decided to pursue entrepreneurship because it's a career that does give us the most control and autonomy over our days, over our lives and like over what we want to do. But I think knowing that like now we have that freedom and like be, like knowing how to prioritize our days so that they make us feel fulfilled. And Daniel and I work, we work so hard. We work like almost nonstop. But I think right now we're at that point where everything is just so fun and so exciting. And we're able right now, we're so lucky to like build this company out in a way that really contributes to like a healthy and engaged lifestyle. Like we, I think we're very thoughtful about like where we want our office to be and how we want it to be like in, in a way that like we get to walk to work every day. Yeah. And like our first this partnership with Naked Retail, for example, will be right near where we're both living and we'll be like, we're creating this like little sub community of Fulton. Yeah. Anything to add, Daniel, to that? Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I've always struggled with the, the term work-life balance. And I think to me, self-care leads into that because I found that no matter how much I was working, 
someone else, I never really felt like I had a great work-life balance. But when you're able to work the way you want, knowing that if you had to take time off to go to a loved one's birthday or whatever, you had to be somewhere for some reason, you can always make it work. And so I never really wanted it to be a trade-off between work and life. So I think exactly what Libby said, right? Self-care, at least from a professional perspective, is like being able to balance those two things in a way where you don't feel like there's a trade-off and you don't feel like there's a balance. You feel like it's very much one and the same and it's sustainable. And so that's why Libby and I, from our earliest conversations, it was all about mindset, right? It was all about, this is the kind of the life we want to live and how we think we'll be most fulfilled and satisfied when we're working. And I think it's, uh, it's a really important thing to reflect on and think about if you're considering starting a company or even when you're considering changing jobs or going into a new uh, industry. I think it's something that you should really think deeply about, like how you want your life to look and then architect the world around it in light of that. That's great. That's great, crucial advice. You know, the pandemic has been ongoing for the last thing and the end of the light is coming to close, hopefully. So just curious to see if during this time, there was anything you streamed on, on a streaming service, read something that you experienced that you would recommend somebody to check out? <laughs> For me, it's been Curb Your Enthusiasm. I can't get enough of that TV show. <laughs> I just keep watching it over and over. And <laughs> it provides like the necessary kind of comedic relief and just a, a break to my day when I'm either eating or just winding down at night that I could just have a nice laugh and relax. It's, it, I always go back to that show. I can't get enough of it. Anything that you recommend, Libby? Yeah, I don't want to be this like cliche founder who recommends mindfulness, but I really have seen the impact of it on my life. And I love Headspace. I've tried a lot of the different apps. I, I really love Headspace. They really, I think it's a great way to like start and learn and get into the practice. Mm -hmm. That one's fine. Yeah, it's great. And so the final question, if you could have a dinner party of your choosing and you could invite three guests, dead or alive, who would you choose and why? Hmm. I'd love to hear your answer to this, Libby. <laughs> yeah, so I, I thought about this one. So of course, Neil Blumenthal, who is the one of the founders of Warby Parker, and is we think of as like the grandfather of D2C brands. I think my dad, who passed away when I was 14, loved to see him at dinner and talk about. I think he's a huge inspiration for entrepreneurship for me. So I think that'd be great. And then Jerry Seinfeld would be the third for some comedic relief. That's a great... <laughs> true right wow yeah i can't top that answer but I, I can give a similar yet different three so I, I think my three would be steve jobs he was just the the biggest inspiration to me when i was a kid i remember sneaking out of class to watch his keynotes oh my gosh i had a, a lot of love for that brand since i was very young and it shaped my thinking around tech and brands and what i wanted to do in life second would be Leonardo da Vinci, I just love the fact that there was a human who existed who's curious about every single thing possible. And the fact that he studied it and dug into it 
and just loved learning for the sake of learning. It's something I really care deeply about and have tried to follow throughout my career as well. And the third person I'd say is David Foster Wallace. I've read a lot of his work and just, I, I love the approach he takes when thinking about like empathy and modern American life and just really enjoyable reads that are also very thought provoking and uh, really fascinating guy to just learn more about if you can. Another great trio. So it's been a real pleasure to talk to you both on the podcast and hear a bit about Fulton and a bit about yourselves. If listeners wanted to connect with you or the brand, where can they go to connect? Yeah, we have a website, uh, walkfulton.com. Fulton is spelled F-U-L-T-O-N. And happy to share a discount code for $10 off. Take care, 10. Yeah, I'll put that in the I'll put that in the show notes as well. Awesome. And one more place, our Instagram at Walk Fulton. Yeah. A lot of fun, cool content there, as we mentioned by our rock star, superstar brother Ben. That's yeah, can't wait to check that out the content. And this was a real pleasure, like I said. Thank you for, for being on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for having us. <laughs>